On Shill Kill, we pair a crypto with a riveting true crime case, weaving together the worlds of innovation and investigation. Today, we shed light on a groundbreaking project before delving into a dark mystery. Stay curious and ready for more. I'm Chip Mahoney, and this is Shill Kill, a unique fusion of finance and mystery. If you're curious about crypto and love true crime, this is the place for you. Today, it's all about the layers. Speaking of stacks, the project that works with Bitcoin, and also the layers of the Brian Koberger case. You know, they have the DNA, they have the cell phone tracking data, but what about the boyfriend and the narrative for the prosecution? It's a unique theory, the Ethan theory, next on Shill Kill. Thanks for tuning in. This is the audio version, but if you like video, there's Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, and whatnot. So another reason to subscribe, come back for more, because I will have more for you. Just about every few weeks or so, a new crypto to review paired with a true crime case, a real mystery like I like to do here at Shill Kill. This podcast is for true crime fans, but also new people in crypto, curious about crypto, new adopters. That's what I have for you. So if you know anyone else like that, please share the podcast, come back for more, because I will always have more for you. If you have heard me before, and it wasn't just a drive-by, as I like to say, you're dropping the clip, pulling the crossover SUV back around on me, know that I do appreciate that. I try to get bigger and better for you each and every time, often to give you a reason and a lot of value to be here. I am a certified DeFi expert, so I promise not to fire back on you with a bunch of technical jargon I know you do not need. You just need to know enough to make sound decisions. So the thing about crypto is just not to miss out on the opportunity available to you. And don't miss out what I have for you next about Stacks. Stacks, ticker symbol STX. This is a top 50 crypto project. If you go over to CoinMarketCap, you will see it in the top 50 of all cryptos out there. And I feel it could slip into the top 20 sooner than later because it's that good. This is something I feel comfortable recommending to just about anyone new in crypto, as opposed to what I talked about previously, which was Monero. Been around for 10 years connected to the dark web. I would never recommend that to someone new in crypto, but stacks I feel comfortable with. I like it for what it's trading at right now, $1.50 or so at the time of this recording. And I liked it a whole lot at 25 cents, but what's it going to be worth in the future when Bitcoin's popping off at 50K, 100K, maybe what Kathy Wood had talked about for the future at 600K. What's it going to be worth? Because the price is, it like mirrors Bitcoin. When it's up, it's up. When it's down, it's down more so than any other coin or token out there. It's a layer two solution for a layer one Bitcoin. Remember that Bitcoin is this layer one blockchain 
favored by traditional finance, incredibly secure, a storage of wealth, but what else can you do with it? And that's why Stacks is there as this layer too, because Bitcoin kind of reminds me of a cold case that never gets solved because it's so slow. There's only like five to eight transactions per second on the blockchain. And when you compare that with something like Avalanche that can do thousands of transactions per second, well, there is no comparison. So enter Stacks to provide utility to work alongside Bitcoin to bring that value to this Web3 world. And if you check out Stacks.co, their website, you will see the projects that they work with and so forth. But this episode, it's all about the layers. And the layers here are really important. Because there aren't too many projects like this that go from the centralized exchanges to this DeFi world and do it really well. So if you were to acquire some stacks, some STX on Coinbase, for instance, you could essentially move that stacks over to Leather Wallet, which is a wallet within the ecosystem I'm talking about. You might have heard of MetaMask, but this is Leather Wallet designed for Bitcoin stacks and and others. And then you could connect to a DEX called Alex, which is a decentralized exchange in this ecosystem. Now, late last year, I saw the Alex token go from one cent to 40 cent in like 30 days. So that's like a 40X. That was really impressive. And that's what can happen in decentralized finance as opposed to a centralized exchange. You might get a 5X or 10X. You're lucky if you get a 20X. But in DeFi, you can make some really big gains if you you know pick the right time, pick the right token. So Alex has a native token, uh, yeah, called Alex, that you could uh, trade on their site for stacks. You know, you could trade out of stacks and acquire Alex, and then uh, you could just play around with it like that because Alex is a decentralized exchange. It has about forty million total value locked on it, which means that users are providing liquidity as opposed to a centralized exchange like Coinbase or Kraken. It operates like a bank in those systems, but here the users provide liquidity and there's a lot of it. It's one of the biggest ones out there. So about 40 million total value locked on Alex. And that's why I like it too. So the layers within this ecosystem, there's a lot of them. And this enables someone new to crypto to get comfortable with DeFi as opposed to some other ecosystem out there that doesn't have anywhere near the uh, legitimacy on the centralized exchanges or the total value locked because you got to be really careful. So there's a lot of layers to this ecosystem, but I really do like that part of getting your stacks on a centralized exchange, getting the leather wallet, sending over some stacks, connecting to Alex trading for Alex token or something else. And, you know, being within a DeFi system that has millions locked on it, as opposed to hundreds of dollars locked on some other ecosystem. And that's why it's really important. So as a new person in crypto, you are way ahead of the curve of other people who are jumping in to the market right now. And let me tell you, when Bitcoin does go to 50,000, And when it does go to 100,000 and it wakes people and shakes people, they are going to run straight to the centralized exchanges. They're going to go right to Coinbase 
and they're going to bypass Bitcoin or stacks and they're going to go right to something uh, that shows a bunch of green candles. It's like a sex trap, as I call it. And that's not how you think of it. It's CEX and it's there to trap people because they see all this green and they have FOMO. They don't want to miss out. And Bitcoin's at 100,000 and it just wakes them and shakes them. So if you think about this now, you are miles ahead of those people who are going to get, they're going to get taken for a ride in my opinion. So this is a way to understand the layers of crypto and DeFi through this ecosystem I've described. Now in the true crime, there are layers also. This is a multi-layered case the Brian Koberger case. There's the DNA, there's the cell phone tracking, but what about the boyfriend, Ethan? Something the prosecution could really work with in the narrative I've got, something I call the Ethan theory, and that's next. Disaster recovery teams are clearing out the home where four University of Idaho students were murdered. Last November, our sister station, Krem2 News in Spokane, has learned some of the families of the four victims are not happy about the university's plan to tear down the home on King Road. Four murders in 16 minutes, upstairs, downstairs, inside the home, and then out. Four murders in 16 minutes. That's some kind of new record. All done with a knife, bloody scene, and a killer they say is Brian Koberger. They've got a lot here. They've got the DNA on the knife sheath. They don't have the knife, but they have the DNA there. They have the cell phone data tracking. They've got video. They've got a bunch of stuff, but what do they really have? Because Koberger has two really good lawyers and the prosecution, they do have a lot, but in my Ethan theory, here's a focus that could make a difference in this court case that is coming up, I believe this summer, and the death penalty will be on the hook, possibly death by firing squad. And with my Ethan theory, I feel it kind of opens up more to focus on, especially if you don't have that knife, the weapon, if you can't find it. So the Ethan theory I will get to, but this uh, case had originally reminded me of the Gainesville Ripper back in the early 90s, University of Florida, where he had a killer cross boundaries from another state into Florida, murdering students with a knife, total bloody scene, upstairs, downstairs, entry through the back door. And in one case, there were two victims at one time, murdering the students there, not four at a time, but but still a total bloody scene. It was the inspiration for the Uh, Scream series that we still see today. That's what it originally reminded me of. But this one is different with the four victims, four minutes per victim inside the house and out. Because I don't think Danny Rowling, who was the Gainesville Ripper, was inside the properties beforehand. He broke in the back door with the screwdriver and then committed the crime. But here we see how it's possible the killer could have been at the property before. We have seen video where they have parties that are happening, the police are showing up, and even the people on the lease are not there during the party. So if Koberger is stalking them months prior, then 
probably pretty easy for him to slip inside, maybe check out the scene, you know, dip his toes into where he's going and just get more comfortable because the killer had a pathway in and a pathway out. And along that pathway, there was a conversation. And I think it was unexpected because with his snowy vision, with how he was projecting his rejection upon one girl whom I believe he thought was rejecting him and the closeness she had with her friends and and those pictures and the videos that he could see online and their lives, a window into their lives. I think it really bothered him. But if it puts him in the house and he comes across Ethan, the boyfriend, and he doesn't expect Ethan to be there, there's probably a reason why. And I would say it's because he wants Ethan to live, but he had to kill him. But the reason why he wanted him to live is so he could feel the misery that he felt. So mourn the loss of not one girl, but the other girls as well. Because when you look at Ethan or how Koberger could have looked at him with his snowy vision through TikTok, through Instagram, through everything that he was stalking as a tool used to online for one girl to look at, who was always involving these people, then he could see that Ethan had not only one girlfriend, but more than one. They all loved him. And Koberger didn't have anyone to care about him because he was being ghosted on dating apps. And that's what a former friend had said about him, that he was really bothered by it and couldn't take it anymore. So that's why I say the killer had a pathway into this home and a pathway out, likely being physically inside the home on King Road before those murders. And that's what I think would be interesting, at least, to focus on when you don't have a murder weapon like the knife. Yeah, you have DNA on the sheath, but you don't have the murder weapon. So focus on the boyfriend, not that he wanted to kill him, but that he wanted Ethan to stay alive. Therefore, Ethan could be more miserable than him because he took Ethan's girlfriend and he took those other girls who were always in the pictures with Ethan anyways. So he had one girlfriend and more than one girl that liked him. Koberger had nothing. This is a guy that moved 1,500 miles from Pennsylvania to Washington State. He had lost 100 pounds. He was in the grad program for criminology. And still, he didn't think it was good enough. And I think he projected his rejection when he was trying to put him his best self out there and just figuring, you know, it didn't work in high school. It didn't work after that. It's not working now, but this is something I can do. Because if you look at the cell phone data tracking, yeah, he was in and around the neighborhood. It's only 10, 15 miles or minutes away. But the University of Idaho does have a grad program in psychology, albeit they don't have criminology, but the guy was thinking about changing his direction, checking out campus life there, and uh, furthering his degree just in a different area. That's plausible. Koberger has two really good lawyers and the prosecution has a lot, but what do they really have? If they focus on Ethan, that Koberger wanted him to stay alive, then I feel that that's something tied into the motive. Because as Koberger or the man in the mask, the guy that was in and out in 16 minutes is on his pathway out he comes across Ethan. And that might have been a surprise for Koberger. 
he might not have known the boyfriend was over that night. But if he came across him in the hallway and they had a conversation and there were some words exchanged, some, something like, I'm going to help you, as it is reported, maybe that was Ethan and then he just got a knife uh, put in his body that way because maybe Koberger wanted that guy to live. Maybe he wanted uh, two people to die. Maybe he wanted three people to die, but not four. Not four. So that's the Ethan theory that with his snowy vision, with his stalking online through TikTok and Instagram, getting to know these people without them knowing who the heck he is, never meeting them physically, with his snowy vision, the way he projected rejection upon this one girl, then maybe Ethan was the guy that he saw himself as, but why didn't he have what Ethan had? Because Ethan is a dark-haired guy, a little bit better looking than Koberger, of course, because Koberger is an odd-looking fellow. But still, I think with the snowy vision, maybe he thought that's what he looked like. Or maybe he thought he looked better than Ethan, and it still bothered him why he didn't have one girlfriend when Ethan not only had one, but had three. He was popular for some reason. Why was Koberger never popular? Why was he always picked on and everything they've said about his background? So four murders in 16 minutes, no knife, but DNA uh, left on a knife sheath, cell phone data tracking, and then video. But it's not as if Koberger drove 30, 50 miles out of his way. University of Idaho in that area was around his neighborhood too, in a way. And with psychology and a grad program, University of Idaho, maybe the defense could say, this is the reason why he was there. He was just thinking about changing over to the school and just getting acclimated to student life. That's what he was doing. But if you focus on the boyfriend, you focus on the Ethan theory and say, we think he wanted Ethan to stay alive because he was miserable. And this is what we can prove. This was his snowy vision. This is what the statements we have from former friends. And this is the stalking perspective. Then I think you might have something. And it could be a bold prediction of mine, but this is where I think uh, could really help the prosecution nail this one down because 99% he did it. I think he did it, but still you got to prove it in court and you got to make it airtight. So what do you think about that? Thank you for being here on this episode of Shill Kill, pairing the crypto with the true crime. Come back for more. I will have more for you, but on this one, I'm out. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe and join us again as we uncover the fascinating connection between two seemingly disparate worlds. Until next time.